The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. Today's world news, what it means, where it's taking us. I bring you the one and only possible message of world peace. This is a message of hope, tremendous hope. And he said unto me, you must prophesy again. The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. And it's clear to me tonight that there isn't a path for me to win the nomination, which is why I'm suspending my campaign tonight for President of the United States. I know, and I can see it from some of the faces here, that I'm disappointing some people by doing this. Who would be in the running for vice president? Well, I can't tell you that, really. I mean, I know who it's going to be. Give us a hint. I'll give you. We'll do another show sometime. Well, what about any of the people who you've run against? Would you be open to mending fences with oh, any sure, of them? I will. I will. I've already started like Christy better. Uh, <laughs> no. Christy, no, Christy for vice president. I don't, I don't see it. I don't see it. That would be an upset. Christy for vice president. You know, Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to announce. Now. I'd- Donald Trump should be on this stage. He owes it to you here in Iowa uh, to explain this change he's had in his positioning, to explain why he has a tough time saying whether a man can become a woman or not, uh, to explain why he wants to build a billion-dollar-plus big, beautiful new FBI building right in the heart of the swamp in Washington, D.C. He needs to explain why he didn't build the wall uh, and why he added $7.8 trillion to the debt. Every candidate needs to earn your vote nobody's entitled to your vote. And he comes in here every now and then, he does his spiel, and then he leaves. I've shown up to all 99 counties because it's important. You're a servant of the people. You are not a ruler over the people. And that's the type of president that I will be for. Here's here's Donald Trump's problem is he goes into, I would call it, softball a softball event i've never seen one as 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 fawning i'm not even sure what why did they have two hosts there you know they could have just had winding to sit there and smile and say you're great ask another softball question it was like t-ball and what did the biden people do last night they're just hanging out they're probably laughing and all the Republican chaos in the debate and then laughing at the Fox News hosts who were just absolute jokes. It was just an embarrassment. Like Fox News, oh, we're going to be for DeSantis. Even DeSantis's people were like, seriously, this is a paid advertisement for Donald Trump, which it was. Even in that setting, he's grown so old and, and, and hobbled. Intellectually, I guess, because he thinks he's running against Barack Obama. Your husband is 81. At the end of a second term, he'd be 86. As his life partner of 46 years, is there a part of you that is worried about his age and health? Can he do it? He can do it. And I see Joe every day. I see him out, you know, traveling around this country. I see his vigor. I see his energy. I see his passion. Okay, first of all, I last night I had basketball on the brain. I had to coach two uh, girls' games, and then I even watched a little basketball when I got home. And then this morning I wake up, and the the Twitter the the Twitter feed just blows up. Who knew there was this much political intrigue happening? Who knew there was another Republican debate 
another Republican debate that Sam and I didn't know about. And of course, Chris Christie dropping out before he even gets to Iowa. I guess the Iowa caucus is a few days away. He drops out before the first race, basically, which means, which means that he just barely, barely outperformed John Bolton's mustache. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We appreciate you joining us on today's show. You're joining the fastest moving hour in broadcasting. You can get to the live video stream of this show at trumpetdaily.com. You can also go to the Rumble channel and join the conversation over there. That's rumble.com forward slash trumpet daily to submit feedback to the show. And we love it. TD at the trumpet. Dot com. So as I say, lots going on. We're coming, all of the, <laughs> you think about Donald Trump's schedule just for a second. He has the town hall that uh, Morning Joe's very upset, upset about another morning meltdown uh, today because of the town hall. But, but Donald Trump, he, he's got the town hall in Iowa. Then he's in New York City today for that uh, sham of a trial over how he supposedly made tens of millions of dollars uh, because he inflated the value of his properties. I made, the, by the way, I made the mistake of listening to NPR this morning and to hear them talk about this New York case and how Donald Trump, and, and uh, this, is, this is paid for by the government. So it's paid for with U.S. taxpayer dollars and they're not reporting the news. This host, she, she goes on and on about the judge has already determined that Donald Trump made something like $300 million because of his fraudulent, overvalued properties. And just think about, I, I, again, coming back to the NPR host, sounding very serious. Think about this. This is the leading candidate for the Republican Party, and a judge has already determined that he's a fraud. We'll come more to these deranged people as they go on and on about Donald Trump. And we'll look at some of Trump's policies, what he intends to do. He talked last night about his administration. He talked what it would look like, that is. He talked about what he'd do with the illegal immigration problem that's, that's killing the United States. I mean, they're emptying out schools. They're sending home school children so that they can set up a refugee center for all of these illegal immigrants. That's happening in New York, even as we speak. In Massachusetts, they're calling on the citizenry to open up their houses, of all things, to illegal immigrants from China, from Venezuela, wherever. <laughs> Most of them young single men. It's unbelievable what is happening to the country. These are all reasons why. Donald Trump's poll numbers just keep going higher and higher in Iowa, in New Hampshire, everywhere. But first, just listen to another bit from the morning meltdown. This is number two. And watching, Joe, you're right, that town hall, you should just start with, rather than saying, here are what the lies were, almost everything he said last night was a lie. And then you can work backward from there, including the fact that he said that the economy is a disaster right now. And if you're being honest with yourself, watching that town hall, how you could believe anything he was saying, because almost everything he said unchallenged was a lie last night. And people have to ask themselves if that's somebody they want to vote for. And we'll find out in four days if they do. 
There's so many things this guy says every day, and they just let him walk. So the media. J6 hostages. Yeah, J6 hostages. You can go on and on. Terminating the Constitution, executing generals. I mean, you just go down the list. Is, is this, I mean, it's fine if, if that's what Fox wants to do. Is this, is this who they are now? Have they decided now we, we endorse Donald Trump? Cause it sure looked like it last night. Well, he's running away with it. I mean, Fox has to come around at some point, <laughs> probably sooner rather than later. And of course, their ratings are going to increase. They're going to receive a Trump bump because of, uh, of Donald Trump. This one from Fox Business, this is a little, more, uh, a little more straight up truth, quite unlike this. Everything Donald Trump says is a lie, really? Is, is that, they're, they're like a half step removed from NPR, these people. And the lies that they get away with, well, don't, don't get us started on that. We spend, we spend plenty of time on that on this show. But listen, over at Fox Business, here again at Fox Business, Fox News, they're uh, finally coming around to the fact that, hey, <laughs> given what he talked about policy-wise, uh, what's not to like about him? Here's clip four. Well, it was really interesting to flip back and forth between his town hall and then the debate between Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis, because Trump actually came off across as the cool, composed and collected yeah. one. Um, if you watch the screaming match between DeSantis and Haley, which did nothing except solidify that this is a primary for second place, it came across as honestly a bit immature on both of their ends. And the thing that Trump kept hitting home is obviously he got a few jabs in against his primary opponents. But the number one name that he kept repeating over and over again was Joe Biden. He understands that this is a referendum on Joe Biden and his failed agenda. That's how he's running this campaign. And the one message that he made very clear to the town hall members last night was that his agenda worked. Four years ago, they were better off than they are now. And I think that message really resounds. And maybe there would have been an argument for DeSantis or Haley if there, you know, the poll showed that Trump was struggling against Biden. But that's not the case anymore. You look at a recent poll that came out this week in my home state of Michigan. Trump is up above Biden 47 percent to 39 percent. That's a significant swing from 2020. So really, what is the argument against Trump at this point? Good question. In Michigan, he's leading by 8%. That's right. Trump was uh, saying last night about the evangelical support. I mean, she says it's, it's the support's more, there's more of it than there was in 2020. This is from uh, The Hill. It says evangelical voters are saying, just think about the Amos 7 prophecy, the, the King's Chapel. Again, you can read more about that in America Under Attack. But it says here, evangelical voters are set to play a pivotal role in uh, next week's Iowa caucuses amid signs they are steadfastly behind former President Trump. It says here in NBC News, Des Moines Register poll released last month shows Trump had showed Trump had a 51 percent or 51 percent of the evangelical Christian support among likely Iowa Republican uh, caucus goers. It says here key to clinching the Iowa caucuses are evangelical voters born again or evangelical Christians make up 64 percent of caucus goers during the 2016 uh, presidential primary according to exit polling that year Ted Cruz listen to this Ted Cruz won the largest share of that voting block with 34 percent he actually won Iowa as I recall Trump was second 
And then he came around to win New Hampshire, and he was blowing away the field from that point forward. But the poll, I, I think I saw an NBC guy yesterday telling this to uh, Mika over at the morning meltdown, and her head was melting down even as he said it. How do you explain this? How do you explain all these churchgoers that are supporting Trump more enthusiastically than they did four years ago, than they did eight years ago? It's the key to winning in uh, Iowa, so says The Hill. Coming back to Christie, stepping aside. I'm sure there's going to be some headlines that say, oh, this will, this, will really, this will help give a boost to Haley in New Hampshire and maybe prevent DeSantis from finishing third in Iowa. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Following his announcement, by the way, he was caught on a hot mic, yet another hot mic, basically saying the rest in the field have no chance he, he acknowledged, privately, you see, they acknowledge the obvious, which is very revealing. Why are they in this in the first place? Well, it's just all part of the never Trump movement. You've got to get Trump. You've got to attack Trump. This is Sundance's take on the, the hot mic. It says there are several layers around this story that are interesting and funny. The obvious story is how Chris Christie is talking to Wayne McDonald, a former chair of the New Hampshire Republican Party, and discussing the futility of Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis. The, the lesser obvious story speaks to the reason for the entire rat team's effort. They each had or have a role to play on behalf of their corporate benefactors. They've blown, DeSantis has blown through over a hundred million dollars coming from these donors. These rich rhino donors that just want to destroy Trump. And Christie, I mean, he all but admit, he said everything. He said everything about, I'm only in it to win it. I don't see a path forward. In fact, he, he was there from the beginning to just go after Trump. And he said as much on the hot mic. She's going to get smoked, the former New Jersey governor said of Nikki Haley. And you and I both know it. She's not up to this. Christie said, with respect to Nikki Haley. Christie also claimed Ron DeSantis called him about Iowa while petrified at the prospect of coming in third. <laughs> DeSantis is really worried because he's visited, as you heard, he's visited all 99 counties. He went there with Nikki Haley. They argue with each other on CNN. Trump's over there on Fox News. That's part of the reason MSNBC is so upset because he can go to Fox News on his own and draw a bigger audience. I didn't see the ratings, but you can be sure that more people tuned in to listen to Donald Trump than to see the food fight over at CNN. That's just the truth. That's just reality. If only they'd say out in the open what they will say on the hot mic. Listen to Donald Trump last night as he was asked about, well, who's going to be willing to work with you or for you and he talks about there's plenty of people lining up and he also mentions how much he's learned about dc and how that it operates since he was in office the first time clip seven so i have a lot of people that want to work with me i have people calling just as i'm getting on the stage i had a call from two of the very most important people in the military want to come to work for me everybody wants to come to work for us 
uh, we're going to have no trouble. We had great people. We had a couple that were not great, stiffs, as I would call them. But that's true with anybody. But now I've gotten to know Washington. I've gotten to know the people. I know the best. I know the smart ones, the dumb ones, the weak ones, the strong ones. And I think you're going to see something like you've never seen before. And the people in this room know it. We did an, we did an amazing job. And uh, the reason, you know, we have support is because of the job we did. Now, you like Ron DeSantis, but he wouldn't even be around today. He'd be working in a pizza shop or perhaps a law firm if I didn't endorse him. You know, I endorsed him, took him from nothing to winning an election. And I was all for him. And then one day he said he had run against me four years later after I got him in. And I said, that's not a loyal person. We can't have that. That's not a loyal person. So uh, I think you'll be very impressed with what we're going to do. He certainly has learned a lot about uh, who, who is that, who is that exactly is uh, loyal and, and who isn't. He, he was asked also about, this was coming, I think, from the crowd, a woman in the crowd who asked him about all of these illegal immigrants that are just pouring into uh, places like New York City and Chicago and San Francisco and Los Angeles. Listen to what he said about his deportation plan. This is clip uh, eight. It's not sustainable for our country. We have millions and millions of people here. It is not sustainable. Did you see in New York City with it getting the regular students out and they're putting migrants in their place? We are going to have the largest deportation effort in the history of our country. We're bringing everybody back to where they came from. We have no choice. We have no choice. No choice but to send them back. He, he, he referred to what they're doing in New York City. And you know who else did yesterday? Elon Musk. He's, he runs Twitter, or X. And he tweeted out yesterday, New York City just forced kids out of their school in order to house illegals. They're kicking kids out of school, just like they did during covid and they're replacing them with illegals. People who, who came into the United States illegally. Who does this? What nation on earth does this? As part of his tweet, Elon Musk, he, uh, he retweeted. I think this came from Massachusetts officials a few months ago. But he embedded this into his tweet. Th this announcement, this press conference from, from your government officials. If you're in Massachusetts, clip nine. Most importantly, if you have an extra room or suite in your home, please consider hosting a family. Safe housing and shelter is our most pressing need. Become a sponsor family. You can contact the Brazilian Worker Center for more information on how you can step up if you're willing to have an additional family be part of your family. If you're a local official, a college president, a business owner or a faith leader with an available building or space in your community, please work with us to offer it as a shelter site. If you're a social service provider, please consider becoming an emergency assistance homeless shelter provider. Our resources are stretched thin there as well. And if you're a hotel or a motel owner, consider opening it up for emergency assistance. If you're a landlord or a property owner, we can use you too and connect you with service providers to help transition families into permanent housing. Everyone has something they can offer. How much longer before these radicals are demanding it? They, not, there they're asking, open up your house, sponsor a, a family of illegal immigrants. And of course, they're not going to do it 
The Obamas are not going to do it. Kamala Harris, her family, they're not going to, and they have large houses. Keep in mind, they have multiple houses. Joe Biden has like five houses. Do you think he's going to be opening up the guest room and sponsor the illegals? It's just like they, they work with your tax money. They love spending your money, but with their own, I mean, they're pretty stingy. And they're, and they're pretty greedy at that. This story, I didn't even think I'd have time to get to it. It's at the back end of my notes. But it has to do with Hunter's artwork. Remember that? And remember how it was, it was announced that he was going to make money off of his artwork? Yeah, look, we're, we're going to put this, this, this rule in place where he won't know who's buying it. So there's no you know, quid pro quo. Like if you buy some of Hunter's uh, artwork, you'll get something in return. Well, now we know. This is from Just the News. It says, on Tuesday, the House Oversight Committee learned in testimony that the owner of Hunter Biden's art gallery, that a majority of the first son's artwork was purchased by, wait for it, just wait for it, by Joe Biden's Democratic donors. They're the ones buying Hunter's artwork, if you want to call it that. The art gallery owner, the guy's name he sounds French, it says, also told the committee that he never communicated with the White House about the supposed ethics agreement that the Biden administration previously claimed was governing Hunter Biden's work within his profession. It says here, the Biden White House appears to have deceived the American people about facilitating an ethics agreement governing the sale of Hunter Biden's art. Well, imagine that, Joe Obama deceiving the American people says here the vast majority of Hunter Biden's art has been purchased by Democrat donors, one of whom, listen to this, was appointed by President Biden to a prestigious commission after she purchased Hunter Biden's art. So it's another pay-to-play scheme. And it was going on. This didn't even happen that long ago. When was it? Last year or the year before? It was in the headlines, these astronomical sums being paid for the first son's artwork. And it's another pay-to-play scheme going on even as the Biden crime family is being investigated for pay-to-play schemes all over the world. It's unbelievable. All this happening to the country. And, and, and yet, the lawfare, the Get Trump movement, I mean, it's as strong as ever. The, all of this happening to the United States, the country going up in flames, and you listen to the morning meltdown, and you would think that the only problem that this country is facing is the bad orange man. That's it. That's it. That's all they can talk about. Listen to uh, this... Uh, Regarding the, this is regarding that case going against Donald Trump, the RICO case down in uh, Fulton County. And of course, Fannie Willis, she's been exposed as a fraud, as a liar, as a, a cheat, as a thief, really. Sam took the time to go through some of these billing records that came in from her lover. In some cases, he was charging U.S. taxpayers, Georgia taxpayers, for 24 hours of work on one day, 
So he was working nonstop, didn't take time to sleep, eat, nothing. 24 hours. And as you know, he made nearly, nearly, this is the one she appointed as the lead prosecutor in the RICO case going after Trump. Get Trump. Turns out, and the Washington, uh, the Wall Street Journal reported yesterday that she had been subpoenaed uh, to, to, in that divorce case involving her lover and their exes and all that. So it seems like it's pretty obvious that they were together sexually. And then she paid him and paid him a lot. And she benefited from it too. <laughs> this is from the journal piece. Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis has been subpoenaed to testify in a colleague's divorce proceeding. Oh, I guess this is about to happen then. According to a court filing, a, de- a development that could shed light on claims Willis and the colleague carried out an improper romantic relationship as they prosecuted former President Donald Trump and others. Finally being exposed. All of these communist, all of these communist radicals with get Trump on the brain and that's it. And then look at what they're doing in their personal lives. Or look at how they're ripping off donors or taxpayers or lining their pockets with gold bars in the case of Menendez. It says here the subpoena was served Monday, just hours before one of Trump's co-defendants filed a motion laying out allegations of misconduct. According to that motion from a lawyer representing former Trump campaign official Mike Roman, the alleged relationship between Willis and Wade resulted in the special prosecutor and in turn the district attorney profiting significantly from this prosecution at the expense of taxpayers. So they're not only going after Trump, they're profiting from it. They're campaigning on it. In the case of Letitia James, that's the New York case. They're profiting on it. They're winning elections because of it. This is Larry Kudlow on, uh, I think, Fox Business yesterday, clip five. This is total corruption. That's what you got going here, total corruption. Now. What's very important to me, and I think it's going to be very important politically, this guy, this prosecutor, whatever his name is. I Nathan Wade. Say, Nathan Wade. Thank you very much. The boyfriend who has never prosecuted anything before in nope. his life. Right. He's never even prosecuted a ham sandwich at a local deli. <laughs> but he met several times and got paid for the meetings with, wait for it, White House, Biden White House advisors. White House okay? counsel. Yeah. So we've all said that the Biden legal war against Trump, the shots are being called from the White House. And I just think this is a very important uh, article on this. I guess there goes that argument that the Biden administration is allowing these prosecutors to operate independently right. without any influence whatsoever. Yeah. And now we have the Georgia version of Peter Strzok and Lisa Page. Great. This is literally the essence of the swamp in action that Donald Trump's been talking about for years. And to your point, this will blow up just like no one takes Tish James seriously in New York uh, or Alvin Bragg or Jack Smith because they don't look, look like serious prosecutors. They look like who they are, political operatives, Larry. Peter Strzok and Lisa Page. Georgia's version of Strzok and Page. What was it Sundance said last week? They're all the same players. 
You see them in the impeachment proceedings. You see them in the Mueller investigation. You see it in the Trump-Russia collusion hoax. You see it in these lawsuits. The same communist actors right across the board. This Wall Street Journal piece says the Fulton County Board of Commissioners is supposed to approve contracts like those for special prosecutors. But Merchant reviewed the minutes of every meeting the board held from the time Willis, that would be Fanny, Fulton Fanny, the time that Willis took office and found no record that Wade's contract was ever discussed. She's in some hot water here. As I said yesterday, we're, well, I guess we'll find out if some of the Republicans in authority there in Georgia have a spine to do anything about this. But she's in some legal trouble. This is the Georgia case blowing up in their faces. And just like that last clip brought out, it's all being ordered by the White House. These people are in constant contact with the dear leader and his deep state apparatus. For sure, they're on the phone. They're visiting the White House. And yet you've got the regime media out there saying, no, 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 I played a clip for you earlier this week. No, there's, I mean, there's not, Joe Biden, would, the DOJ even, look, they've just offloaded this to special prosecutors who are just doing their jobs. <laughs> well, we now know in Georgia, they are lining their pockets, and they're not even going before the council to say, hey, uh, I've got this guy over here who's got no experience in any trials to speak of, and I'd like to pay him nearly a million dollars, and oh, by the way, he happens to be my lover. There you go. <laughs> how much, how, look at how much is being exposed. You can see why they're in full-scale panic. You can see why. They are planning for a violent uprising. They're, they're all but calling for it. I'll come to that in just a second. Even as they say Trump is dangerous, Trump supporters are dangerous, they are preparing the troops for violence. They certainly are. And the dear leader is behind it all. Barack Obama's White House is behind it all. Listen to this again from Larry Kudlow, clip six. I'm going to say the White House has been calling the shots on every one of these things, not just the Justice Department, uh, not just special prosecutor, not just special counsels in Washington, D.C. and in Florida, but in New York with Alvin Bragg and Letitia James, in Colorado to keep Trump off the ballot, in Maine to keep Trump off the ballot. In other words, I think there is a conspiracy here where the Biden White House is calling the shots in the legal war against Donald Trump. Period. End of sentence. And the Washington Post, New York Times will never investigate this. Two eight-hour meetings. If it was, it, it, there shouldn't even be a briefing with the White House. But if it was just a briefing, that's an eight-minute phone call. Eight hours twice. Mm. That's detailed, detailed planning. Two eight-hour meetings with the White House. I think he's referring to the Georgia case. Still, these people on the phone, in constant contact with Joe Obama's White House. The White House is calling the shots. Get Trump. Trump was, as I say, he's a busy man. He flies into Iowa last night, does the town hall, flies into New York City this morning, or last night, whenever, because of this Letitia James case. 
go after Trump because he inflated the value of his properties and that netted him 300 plus million dollars. Never mind, as Trump has rightfully pointed out, never mind that the banks did their own appraisals and they got their money, everything was paid back in full. They, they actually want, you talk about insanity, insanity on the same level of emptying out your schools so that you can create a refugee shelter in New York and then empty out the same city of all of Trump's businesses and properties. Well, that's a smart thing to do because he happens to be a success. He's bringing millions into New York City. He has changed the New York skyline for the better. And they want him, they want his sons, they want everybody associated with him. They want to prevent him from doing business in New York City, in New York. It's insanity. These people, they're all part of the fundamental transformation of the United States of America. And they don't mind seeing the country go up in flames. This was Trump as he was heading into the, uh, the courtroom earlier today, clip 10. Which uh, it's election interference at the highest level, it's a disgrace. It's in coordination with the White House and Joe Biden because he can't win a campaign fairly. And uh, we're going through it, but it's indeed a terrible which I We're going to have a news conference a little bit later on. As you know, I want to speak, I want to make this donation. At this moment, the judge is not letting me make the summation because I'll bring up things that he doesn't want to hear. And it's a very unfair job. Nobody's seen anything like this. I don't think they've ever seen anything like this. We have a situation where a statute was used that doesn't give me a jury, so I have no jury. I really have no rights. This is a case that should have never been brought, and it was brought. And it's very unfair, and it's very bad for New York State. Companies are fleeing, people are fleeing, the streets are crime-ridden, and Letitia James, that's all, all she thinks about is get Trump. She's been dreaming about it for years, and it's, you know, it's not the way a, a state should be run. They've been, just like Fannie Willis, they've been dreaming, dreaming about this for years. And notice he said there at the top that they're doing all this in coordination with the White House. They know. They know. Larry Kudlow knows. You can see it. Voters know. That's why they're turning to Trump, to support Trump. Because they can see that this is a communist attack on the United States. They can see that the coordination is being done from Joe Obama's White House. And yet, even as that's happening... You see the case in Georgia just exploding, imploding, however you want to describe it. And then this fraud of a case can't get a jury. They won't even let Trump speak. The judge says there, hey, we don't want to let you turn this into a campaign rally, so we're not going to let you speak. And then NPR, for their part, the judge, the distinguished judge, the respected judge, says that Donald Trump is a fraud. Now, Wrap your mind around this. That's the leading candidate on the Republican side. Well, I wonder why. <laughs> the, the regime, the regime is laying the groundwork for inciting violence. They are laying the groundwork for a violent uprising. Hillary Clinton, who can forget these comments. You can't be civil with a political party that wants to destroy what you stand for, what you care about. 
She said that on CNN a while back. You can't be civil. So they can, they are justified in calling for violence. And yet, Brett Bear, Brett Bear has to ask Donald Trump, listen, listen, can't, can't you say that under no circumstances is violence justified? How come they won't ask Hillary Clinton about that? Or Maxine Waters? Or AOC? Or Joe Biden? Or Kamala? Well, because it's just understood that, well, you're going to have left-wing violence. You've got Antifa. You've got BLM. I mean, they've got grievances. Their voices need to be heard. They need to burn down Walmart. Clinton said, that's why I believe if we are fortunate enough to win back the White House or the Senate, she said this again when Trump was in office, that's when civility can start again, you see. But until then, the only thing that the Republicans seem to recognize and respect is strength. So they're coming with the same message now. In anticipation of the bad orange man winning, we have to fight back, even with violence, because we've got to stop Hitler. The violence in this case is justified. That's why the Trump is Hitler narrative is so important. Because it justifies anything that they do. Anything. This is from jo- Joan Walsh at The Nation. It says here, the, there, there were many points in 2023 when justice rang like a, a gle- gleaming bell. And I thought we were easing out of the nightmare. But I don't think so anymore. We will never ease out of it. We have to fight. We have to fight. Well, what does she mean by this? She uses some profanity in that same sentence. I'll leave that out. It says here, meanwhile, Trump is promising to govern as a dictator. <laughs> he says he's, he's dictator for a day. And then, of course, they've got to ask him about that. Dicta- the, the first thing I'm going to do, day one, close the border, seal the border. He says, to have a nation, you've got to have, you've, you've got to have a border You've got to have border security and you've got to have free elections. Pretty simple platform that he's campaigning on. And as it happens, it uh, seems to be quite popular. But here's Joan. Joan Walsh at The Nation saying he said he's going to be a dictator. He pledged that he'll foist the dregs of his first administration upon us, including odious fascist Stephen Miller and General Michael Flynn, odious fascist. Wow, this is Hitler's administration we're talking about. The Heritage Foundation is working hard on plans to take apart most of the government. Trump has explained he'll weaponize the state against his enemies and even use the military to crush domestic dissent. What could go wrong and how can we make it right? It says on the partisan level, There's an inescapable and and maybe fatal imbalance. Our side lacks amoral, lots of profanity. This is, what a publication, by the way, The Nation. Don't subscribe to it. (laughs) Hopefully I don't just read right through one of these things. It says, we are not going to rise or rather fall to the level of the GOP hench people. From Laura Laura Ingram to Sean Hannity to Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene to Senator Lindsey Graham or even House Speaker Mild Mike Johnson. They're all part of this, uh, I guess, this Hitlerian regime. And we got to fight. Welcome to 2024, the year we stop Trump's rolling insurrection. 
Imagine that. I mean, they're engaged in this rolling insurrection of their own. But the way they're framing it is that's what we're here to stop. And to stop it, we're going to have to fight. But never mind any of that. Let's get back to Trump. Will he renounce politically motivated violence of any kind? Listen to this exchange from the town hall last night, clip 11. You seem to issue a warning that if in the courts and even the U.S. Supreme Court, if they didn't treat you fairly, that maybe there would be bedlam in the country. Use that word, bedlam in the country. And in the last two days, at the same time, in the last two speeches, President Biden is focusing his campaign on the threat to democracy and political violence. Take a listen. I'll say what Donald Trump won't. Political violence is never, ever acceptable in the United States political system. Never, never, never. So to Robert's question, this is clearly a focus of the Biden campaign. So can you say tonight that political violence is never acceptable? Well, of course, that's right. And of course, I'm the one that had very little of it. Of course, that's right. And uh, there wasn't political violence during my administration, except coming from the radical left. And there's your fake president saying, it's never, it's never okay. And they were out there cheering it and applauding it during the summer of love for months. They were cheering them on and they had them ready. They had all the goons ready just in case he managed to win in 2020. And they're getting them ready again. And you see it. You see it when you read between the lines or when you listen to some of these deranged people talk. Listen, this is a guy, he, I think there's some graphics and things on this video, but this is a a legal analyst, an expert who makes appearances on uh, NBC or MSNBC. He was in the courtroom in D.C. sitting behind Donald Trump just a few days ago. And and notice, notice, his name is Glenn uh, Kirshner. Notice what he was able to observe and to discern from behind. Don't don't forget, he's sitting in the courtroom and he's noticing Donald Trump from behind. This is clip three. I attended Donald Trump's appellate court hearing. I was seated directly behind him, about 25 or 30 feet away from him. And during the entire time of the proceedings, before, during, and after, the only person I even saw him speak with fleetingly was one of his lawyers, John Lauro. And Trump looked like the exact opposite of a politician. Was jarring to watch. I guess it was not terribly unexpected. I'd seen him in court before when he was arraigned, but he looked like a scared, defeated former president of the United States who probably, if he is ever being honest with himself, and I think that's a big if, he knows precisely where he's going to end up. And that is being held accountable for his crimes and serving time in prison. That man has lost his mind and he has a home over at MSNBC. Julie Kelly, she tweeted out in response to this video, if I were Trump's secret service, I'd make sure to keep a file on this guy. A file on this guy. This isn't normal. This is not normal. And because Trump was acting respectfully in a courtroom, he's defeated. 
These psychopaths pose a real threat and are the first to rage about anything Trump says about Jack Smith or whatever. They rage over Donald Trump just defending himself against these attacks, against all this persecution. As I say, just listen to what they say. I think we have another one here uh, of Whoopi Goldberg. She's on The View. Or you want somebody who says, I'm going to be on day one, I'm going to be a dictator. Who says it to you, tells you, I'm going to put you people away. I'm going to take all the journalists, I'm going to take all the gay folks, I'm going to move you all around and disappear you. If that's the country you want, you know who to vote for. Mm, Yeah, he's going to take the journalists and the homosexuals and kill them all. Because he's a dictator, you see. These people, Julie Kelly calls them psychopaths. She's right. They're dangerous. These people are dangerous. They're, the argument again, Trump is Hitler. Look, we're, we're just fighting back to save the nation from Hitler. Our violence is in response to their violence. And their violence, <laughs> more often than not, is fake. Just like the January 6th insurrection. Four people died that day. All of them, all of them. Trump supporters. One of them shot dead almost at point blank range. Unarmed, five foot four, tiny little woman. Former, she used to be in the military, served her country, I think, 14 years. Fake insurrection. They're so dangerous, these Hitlerian youth. The, the, the Republicans need to be wiped out, or certainly the MAGA movement. This is from that article by Mark Elias. I read from part of it yesterday. He said, three years after January 6th, Trump is even more dangerous. He's more dangerous. It's worse. He's worse than 2020. He's worse than 2016. It says something is different now. This time... Trump has morphed into a bitter old man, not the type who yells at clouds and screams at kids to get off his lawn. Instead, he's the old man recluse who lives alone at the end of the dirt road with no trespass signs warning that he is armed and you are under video surveillance. It's, it's this new version of Trump. His lies, the darker and, and uh, the lies are darker and bend undoubtedly towards authoritarianism. Trump's the problem. Not, not this kind of rhetoric. No, no. That's, that's perfectly normal. Killing journalists, that's normal. Killing journalists is, is just fine. They're talking about it, that is. Creating those lies. Creating these hoaxes. These are the people that are filled with rage. These, these commentators. The regime media. Barack Obama, the dear leader. The dear leader's administration. His White House on the phone, eight hours with Fannie and Wade. Got to sort this out. Got to get Trump. And hey, by the way, you'll make quite a lot of money. Or Joe Biden working with these, sorry, these Democrat donors. Listen, you buy one of my son's uh, paintings, I'll give you a posh job. Yeah. This is what we're dealing with. All of this, all of this and more discussed in America Under Attack. If you don't have this book, make sure you call our operators today and request America Under Attack, 1-866-930-3024. I might have read this part yesterday or the day before, but it says, Trump has made clear 
that he will do everything in his power to win the 2024 election. Nothing will be off limits. As desperate as he was after the 2020 election, he is more so this time. He will cross any line, break any rule, and violate any norm to return to power. All of these things that the bad orange man might do, and they're doing it. They are doing it. The communist infiltrators are doing it. They're carrying it out. They're calling in the troops. This is what we've got to be ready, ready for in 24. War in 24. When we come back, how much time do we have left? Not much. When we come back, we'll conclude today's show with something. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We'll be right back. What has happened to the United States of America? The wealthiest, most powerful nation in human history is suddenly divided, weakened, radical. The evil in America has grown powerful. The good has grown weak. The honorable parts of American history are succumbing to a direct, targeted, sustained assault. Someone, something, is dismantling America's history, purpose, and character. Fundamentally transforming the United States of America. Political dysfunction, social strife, economic peril, catastrophic moral failure, fires, attacks, riots, lies. The nation is being attacked from within by its own leaders. Powerful elites in government, journalism, academia, and beyond are intentionally, rapidly destroying what America is in order to make it into something else. There is a reason why your nation is crumbling before your eyes. There is a spirit and a specific perpetrator that is attempting to blot out America. Only America Under Attack reveals that perpetrator and the motive and spirit behind him. This newly expanded book shows you the reason why America has changed so dramatically, so suddenly. If you're confused and concerned about what is happening to America, request your free copy of America Under Attack by Gerald Flurry at thetrumpet.com. And welcome back to the program. When we only have three or four minutes left, Sam, you'll have to remember this. This is where we need to queue up a great Djokovic highlight of some kind, or, or maybe, as well as the Oklahoma City Thunder playing, maybe even some Thunder highlights uh, to finish off with, or some humorous moments, perhaps. Some good ideas, but we'll conclude with couple of emails instead. I was reminded today as you talked about Minneapolis that the firefighters could not put out the fires because they were being pelted with objects. This was when I was talking about that uh, documentary, the, the Fall of Minneapolis, I think it's called. It says here, the third precinct building is still there for three years now. The next morning when I went back to work, the sky still had smoke from the night before. There was at least five buildings that were torched in that immediate area. The businesses at 38th and Chicago recently sued the city of Minneapolis for the loss of income because of George Floyd Square. It says the area has also become a high crime area and even the police are staying away from there. This is coming from someone that is from 
Minneapolis. And think of it. Think of Joe Biden out there saying, never, political violence is never acceptable. There was smoke smoldering the next day as Minneapolis went up in flames back in, uh, what was it, May of uh, 2020. Kicked off the summer of love. Spread right around the country. Happened all over the nation in big cities. Even around federal buildings in places like Portland. That's no problem, though. AOC was out there saying, look, we got to be violent to get their attention. They were talking heads on TV saying, show me where it says in the Constitution that you can't have a little, you know, political violence here and there. They were calling for it. They were encouraging it. They were bailing out the participants, the perpetrators. That's right. Happened just a few years ago. And yet, of course, you've got to really, you know, you, you know who you really have to press hard on with respect to uh, political violence? That would be Donald Trump. We, we've really got to pin him down. Are you saying, I mean, you use the word bedlam? You used the word vermin. You sent out a tweet. You, you said it, you know, the, just the wrong way. Who are you to criticize Jack Smith or Fannie Willis or Tish James or Alvin Bragg? These are respectable prosecutors. And so are the judges. You cannot criticize the judges. That's going to cause violence, they say. Even as they carry out this, I'll never, never forget the poor woman, an older black woman in downtown Minneapolis, crying the day after. All these shops, she didn't have transportation. She had to shop across the street. And all those shops had burned to the ground. And she wondered what she was going to do just to, just to live. You think Joe Obama cares about people like that? They, they bail out the thugs, the looters, the murderers. They bail them out as fast as they can. They don't care about this kind of a woman who suffers because of their politically motivated violence. I mentioned America Under Attack. Make sure that you uh, call our operators to request a free copy, no cost or obligation. I didn't get through too many emails, but if you'd like to email the show, it's td at the trumpet.com. You are listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We appreciate you joining us on today's show, and we'll see you again tomorrow.